I uh, I was gonna watch uh, uh, your guy, but it actually doesn't come out until Tuesday. The one that you were gonna watch, and I was like, oh, oh Ronnie Chang, yeah. <gasps> oh, it about. comes out on it comes out tomorrow. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So then I ended up watching Tori's Ali Wong special. <laughs> oh yeah. And holy shit. <laughs> was that the first Ali Wong special you'd seen? Yes. So you oh, had really? no context. You didn't watch Baby oh, Cobra. No. You didn't watch any of the others? No, but you'd, you'd talked about it. So I sort of understood the context, like the, the, the sort of evolution of his uh, her relationship with her husband, like begging him to marry. And then she, you know, provided some context too. Yeah. But wow. <laughs> that was crazy. <laughs> but good. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Pajiba, the Pajiba Television Podcast. I'm Pajiba Comedy Editor Dan Hamamura. With me, as always, are Pajiba Managing Editor Tori Preston. Hello, Dan. Hello, Tori. And Bones and Rolls, Dustin <laughs> Bones and Rolls. It originally was Holland Rolls, right? But it just kept cutting out while you were on mute uh, when I was talking to Tori. And so I thought maybe that was a bad luck thing, so I had to change it. And it hasn't cut out since, so. That's true. Yeah. Hollow yeah, yeah. is not working for me. You not are good... not worthy of Hollow <laughs> no. is what it's saying. <laughs> not a good name. Um, Yesterday's what... hurdle was Hollow and I got it in one. Just FYI. What is Bones and Rolls? I have no idea. Like okay. what? Bones, Thugs, and Harmony? Right, bones, but you didn't write bones. Rolls. No, I know. I was, rolls I was in a hurry because I just kept getting... <laughs> bones and rolls. Uh, so I should point out that earlier today, Dustin had a whole conversation with us uh, on Slack about how he's really looking for recommendations for erotic oh my thriller God. novels. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure Bones is something he's been thinking about a lot lately. That makes sense. You guys yeah. just successfully twisted that into all sorts of awful things i don't know dustin you just kept talking about how you like your murders with adultery and or your novels with adultery and murder so yes but um, not for I'm the not, reasons you think but also maybe not in that order like it got a little confusing there for a while yeah. this also makes me think that you want an erotic thriller set That's... in the bones universe like the tv show bones oh. but then but novelized and then an erotic thriller yeah that wouldn't be terrible, no. He would read it. Yeah. Absolutely. Dustin, who's your favorite erotic thriller not, uh, author? Well, see, that's the problem. I mean, besides Jillian Flynn, there's not a lot of good ones. Well, but he also refuses to read, um, what he, like, romance novels. And there right. are a lot of erotic mysteries. Yeah. But it's just that they fall more into the romance category, and he... Yeah, I'm not interested in that. If there's no murder... People die. Like, yeah. yes. I'm sure there's lots of murder. You, there's the so much thing, fighting. Dustin's big thing is the adultery. Oh. Well, you know, like, uh, uh, like my one of my favorite movies ever is like Double Indemnity. That's the kind of book I want to read, where it's like you know backstabbing and adultery, and like the wife tries to kill the husband and that and, sort of thing. But those books exist. But you seem to want them to have more sex. No, it's not. What? No, I didn't. You kept want saying it has sex. to be an, an erotic thriller. <laughs> you just, just want like Michael my, Douglas novelization, like his movies but, as books. Sort of, but not exactly. 
because Michael Douglas movies are really good. Those 80s movies are really good, but also really gross. Some it's, of them are, you know, like I, Fatal Attraction, but that's not really a mystery. Just a. But that's an erotic thriller. Okay. What mystery is there in adultery that you're I, looking for? I don't know. I like mysteries and whodunits, but also with adultery. And I like it all, man. But I don't want the porn part. But erotic, yes. So, like, lustful glances? I don't know. Like, Gone Girl is, like, the quintessential erotic thriller. So you want, like, like that. you want, like, Disclosure by Michael Crichton. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I've read that. I don't ever. I don't think I've ever read Michael Crichton. <laughs> yeah, not all of his books are about dinosaurs, you know. Yeah, that one's yeah. about. I think a man being sexually harassed. There's a great Ooh. one about a, a a sphere. Called sphere. It's called sphere. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you know it about it. It's about a sphere. There's huh. a great one set in the Congo. <laughs> what, what's that one called? Congo. <laughs> It's about uh, diamond lasers and uh, gorillas using them. Yeah, and there was the a movie, movie is wild. The movie's great. It like added, like there's like a two minutes worth of Bruce Campbell in it. I think he like is the missing and or dead guy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's good. Well, if our listeners have any good erotic thriller recommendations for novels, you know, let us know. I've tried recommending. Nothing I had to say seemed you, to... No, you didn't have any recommendations. I did. did you? Well, you were like, I don't read graphic novels. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Justin, okay. it has graphic right in the title. Yeah. Like, what, also do you, novel. what more do you want? Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. Well, Dustin, what are you drinking while you don't read uh, erotic thrillers, apparently? I am drinking uh, the Kono wine again because I love it. Oh, okay. Ooh. Uh, but I do want to mention one thing. I said uh, a couple of weeks ago that I was drinking a, a, a farmhouse, Oxford, Oxbow farmhouse. Yeah. And uh, my friend Matt of SNL recap fame <laughs> told me that was a Saison and not a pale ale. And I felt very embarrassed. And then I came home and I looked at the can and it definitely is a pale ale, Matt. <laughs> It so, said so right on well, the can. You You're just saying this just to just to point out your friend was incorrect. You that know you right. could like text him a picture. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. I'm going to do it with all of our listeners listening. <laughs> Isn't it enough that you embarrass him every week by <laughs> saying that the worst <laughs> sketch is his sketch? Also, that gets, I feel like, more traction than the podcast. Well, like the podcast listenership is probably a small circle within the SNL post. Perhaps. If that was, if it was a Venn diagram. We don't know because you don't share numbers, that's right. Dan. And that's the way we like it. The two of you have that's right. The two of you have said that you don't want to see the numbers. No, I said I don't believe the numbers. Dustin oh, that's doesn't fair. want the numbers. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, we have a we have a strong uh, loyal listenership. Uh, they're very they're they're very noble and just. And someday and, there might even be a half a dozen and of them. Maybe. And some of them some of them only like the the pre T V stuff. 
Matt, that's okay. So that's we okay. Stretch this out. We got to drag we're, it out. We're okay with that. That's right. But Matt of SNL recap fame is always like, oh yeah, I just listen until you start talking about TV, and then I turn it off. Matt, the banter continues. <laughs> we banter so much in yeah. the television. It's we like make we... so much more fun of Dustin during the TV. <laughs> oh talk. my God, you think this is bad? Wait till you hear his opinions about television shows. Oh, it's, it's horrible. <laughs> You've read what he writes. You know. <laughs> Uh, Tori, what are you drinking? Um, I've already made a mistake. Uh, so, so here's the thing. So, like most of the time, Dustin and I have some like random cheap wine or or beer, and it's just sort of like this vibe that like we're rooting around in like I don't know the bins at the Redemption Center or something. Like we're just it's so not as classy as Dan. That's he's, true. He's fancy. Right? He's so he's a, he, yeah fancy Dan and his like magic <laughs> liquor cabinet. So I went to the store and I was like, I just, I want to like live up to Dan's fancy example. Oh no. So I was looking for like, and I was like, I'm not going to get my bullshit, like maple bourbon. Like I always do my, you know, back on my bullshit. I was like, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to get like actual scotch. I'm going to like pay money for a bottle of like real scotch. Um, but then I wasn't going to spend like, if I still wanted whatever one was on sale. So I got a <laughs> bottle of Glen Morangi 12 year. But it's a uh, sherry cask finish, single okay. malt. It's called the La Santa. It sounds fancy. It, I mean, you know, it's more than I usually pay for a bottle. But it, but it also was not. Yeah, I mean, it was on sale. Um, it's pretty. It's good. It's smooth. It goes down well. Um, but I forgot that the problem with scotch is that, like, the first sip, and you're like, oh my god, my nose burns. Then you keep drinking it, and then you know you, you finish, and then you just kind of keep pouring because you're only pouring a little bit, right? Um, but that adds up. <laughs> it does, yeah. Um, so anyway, it's going to be a really interesting show. Oh, what you're saying is that you've accidentally overserved yourself. Um, Sixteen minutes in. I mean, I definitely will by the time we're done. <laughs> <Fair>. <laughs> that finger is just going to keep refilling. Um. As for me, I have actually pulled a bottle from the Magic Liquor Cabinet. Uh, it's uh, almost empty. It's a uh, Michter's Small Batch uh, Whiskey, uh, which was a gift uh, from, I feel like, the fall. And How big is this cabinet, anyway? It's, it's not that big. I mean, it's like a, it's like a small counter-sized space. How many bottles would you say are in that cabinet right now? Uh, two, four, six, like 10 of, but they're all like, they're all, none of them are full. Like they're all like, you know, some of them are, some of them have been there for a while and they may not, like they're probably still good, but, uh, who knows? Does the cabinet have a, a door? That you can see through? Because my feeling is sort of like, you can say what you think is in there, but you don't know if you're not looking. It's magic. Uh, oh, yeah. It's it's definitely magic. I, I have no idea. I mean, I don't always know what uh, I'm going to pull out of there until I reach in. So, yeah, you know, um, that's that's the that's the beauty of the magic liquor cabinet. Um, yeah, you never know. Sometimes it's uh, sometimes it's a ten, and sometimes it's what Dustin gives a seven point five. <laughs> yes, so. Dustin. Speaking of seven point five, um, would you care to explain what you 
this is not hard to explain for me. Okay. Okay. Well, so as you guys, everyone knows, like Saturday Night Live uh, had a wonderful host this week, mm-hmm. and Dustin knocked the monologue down, which was probably the best monologue I can remember in certainly recent memory. And he only <laughs> gave it a seven point five. So, will you explain yourself? Mm-hmm. What yes. what was what were your what was your thinking? My fourteen year old son does all the scores on SNL, and I'm allowed to move it half a point. So he gave it a seven, and I bumped it up to seven point five because that was the highest I could go. So, <laughs> so you're, I, you're trying to pawn this off on your son? I am. Yeah, I don't. This think... is that's real. Look, Dustin. Uh, I think if anything. <laughs> This podcast preaches personal responsibility yeah. above anything else, and the fact that you will not take responsibility for your actions is is or it's for not, the way you or for the way you raise your child. It's really I, just more okay. disappointment, not anger. Normally, he agrees with me on most everything. Like Kyle Mooney's gets, he actually, <laughs> I actually, we get, we gave it a one this week, but I actually tried to give it a one point five, and he was like. He was like, uh, Dad, <laughs> tell me what was redeeming about that skit. And I was like, all right, nothing. So he's like, one. All right, so, so then what was his reason for giving Gerard's uh, monologue a some seven? Mm. Uh, he's 14. I think that was probably his reason. Is it because you didn't properly explain what happened between Will Smith and uh, Chris Rock? Oh, he knew plenty of See, so what that. had happened was Chris Rock told a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. We're not going to talk. It's, it's been too long. Uh, no one wants to talk about it anymore. Which um, is the whole, that's what the monologue was <laughs> exactly. about. Exactly. He was brilliant. Right. Okay, but so, okay, so setting aside your son's uh, uh-huh. questionable taste and your questionable parenting, um, <laughs> what did you guys, like, what what were you going to give it as a score if your son hadn't intervened? I would have given him an 8.5 because that's usually as high as I will go unless it's, like, iconic. What is a better monologue, do you mm-hmm. think? Uh, like, can you think of a monologue that you that you thought was better than that one? Uh, I, I maybe Chappelle's after the election, after Trump won. Okay. Yeah, and that was more that was like iconic in a way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really I give like a ten, once a year maybe. I don't even remember the last. I know I gave the Dead Poets Society a 10, but I don't remember any other 10s I've ever given. Okay. Um, Dan, what did you think of it? Uh, I thought it was, it was, uh, it was, it was pretty great. Um, Both, and and like Dustin, I've seen uh, Gerard Carmichael's uh, special, which is on HBO Max. You should definitely check it out. It's, uh, it's very, uh, uh, it's just a, really well done special it's uh it's funny uh even though dustin claims it's not that it's, it funny. is funny it it's is funny. funny but it's more uh it's more insightful and heartfelt than it yeah. is funny There's yeah not a and, lot of and, like rolling on the floor laughing for right. jokes but um it, it's more like he like the humor is uh punctuation on like what is a lot of emotional truth coming from him yes um but but it is still very funny and worth watching both for comedy and just for a great performance. Um, 
I liked that. Uh, I mean, it. I part of it is just the fact that like I feel like more people need to know Gerard Carmichael, and I I think as as recently as like two specials ago, which is several years ago now, people were kind of like anointing him as like one of the stand-ups you need to know and for whatever reason people still don't know who he is um and i i don't know i mean it it just like it it captured kind of like his uh you know he he has such good timing and he he's so good at milking a moment um and 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 still was able to do that and tell jokes and be you know emotionally truthful all in like seven minutes yeah um out of curiosity dan even though you knew the uh title of the stand-up special Mm -hmm. for me it it wasn't until halfway through the show that i realized oh that's his real name before you i mean before he told me but still i didn't realize it i actually forgot the name of the special oh. <laughs> as I was watching it. So I didn't, I, it didn't click for like, I, I was just like, Oh, this is just really well. I mean, I knew it was coming at the end, but, right, yeah. um, but I, I had kind of, I put it out of my mind, so I wasn't worried about it. Um, one thing like the, his monologue kind of cemented for me was that I, I just wish more comedians and like stand up comedians were hosts. Mm-hmm. Cause they just do. I feel like they're they do. Yeah. Like they, they always have the better monologues right. because they can actually carry it. Right. Um, but it also reminded me of like, you know, like, so John Mulaney hosts all the time and he always uses the monologue. Like he's, he's doing a bit like a stand, you know, he's, but it's always like he's testing. It's always a chunk of whatever stand up special he has coming or whatever mm-hmm. show he's working on. Mm-hmm. Um, so of course it's kind of, you know, polished and it's him and it's, you know, he has command of the stage cause this is, you know, it's not, it's part of something else. And what I really liked about this one was that because it was about, you know, the slap or not saying the slap, like it was of the moment. Like there, this is not like he came out with a perfectly polished stand up routine mm-hmm. that is never going to be used again. It can't right. be. It's right. too he timely. He clearly like, yeah. he developed it for this show. It will never be used again. You know, turned it around in a number of days, and he just commanded that stage. Right. Um, I was actually expecting, because I, I watched the stand-up special right before the show, I was actually expecting to him to sort of, like, use some of the same jokes. Right. And but that, no. that wasn't what that is. And I think that made me, like, for me, that was what put it over at the top, because it's like, you know, he turned that thing around, and he will never really be able to use that again. Right. Um, yeah, it's kind of a perfect... It's actually kind of a perfect use of that material. Right. Um, because, yeah, you're right. No one wants to, no one's going to want to hear that two weeks from now in a, in a club, you know, at a, yeah. on a random, when he goes up on a random Saturday at, you know, the stand or something. Yeah. Um, Dustin, also, did you notice, uh, since, Tori, you didn't watch his special? Not yet. Okay. Um, the, the 10 to 1 sketch is pull, clearly pulled from his stand-up. Wait, which was the 10 to 1? The 10 to yeah. 1 was the commercial uh, for uh, baby clothes. Oh, baby, the onesies, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. he, he had like a one-off joke about that. And I was like, oh, he must have just pitched this as like a bit, uh, and they turned yeah. it into a commercial. <laughs> yeah, it was not great. But... 
Well, you know. <laughs> That's because it was a one-off joke. Some things work show. as a one-off joke. It was joke a and... really good show through update, and then the back half was not a good joke. Dustin, I also take uh, offense to your uh, your rating for Pop Pop's funeral. Um, oh, that was... No, that was bad because... And this is what my, my kid was saying. He was like, this is going to be the exact same joke as the one in It's Always Sunny this season, and it ended up being exactly that. And so you're saying the fact that they did it in a sketch instead of getting having the air... I mean, it was great in Always Sunny. Uh, is uh, you're, you're holding that against it? Well, it was both predictable, and then it went on too long, and it wasn't... Yeah, it just... So you that predicted funny. that he... The uh, urn was, in fact, a thermos that they got at a, a <laughs> No, no, I didn't predict okay. that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, 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 I will say, I didn't think it... It's not um, that that sketch definitely felt like the kind of thing that like when you're there in person, it kills like that's the kind of sketch that like when you're in the room, you will be laughing and falling out of your chair. And then at home, you're like, oh, that's that's a fun idea that yeah. now has gone on a little too long. But but a four and a half, Dustin. OK, yeah. but this is no fun because now he's just going to it's always his kid's fault. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well, no, no, no. That one I completely agreed with. I it's like funny. You know, I think now you need to start posting two ratings. Mm. I rarely diverge with him, and we, you know, negotiate a little bit. And but, you know, he, he was steadfast on a seven on the monologue, and I could only. You know, it's funny, Dustin, is that you you say that the show was good, up put up through update, but you gave, is my brain okay? okay. A seven. You gave That's short a ass good movies score. a six and a half. A seven is sh- good. For you us. gave Shop TV a seven and a half, which I. I did oh my enjoy God, that it. Was hysterical. It was, that was but again, that's also a one-joke sketch. Yes, I mean but they that did joke had a properly. lot of mileage. Yeah, and oh, uh, the fisting you part gave, of that. <laughs> you gave seat fillers a five. Yeah, that wasn't. I mean, you're like they have to make they have to do a skit about it, and that's wasn't the best they could come uh, up it with. Doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like you really loved this episode, Dustin. No, I, I mean I I did for the most part. Are you okay was amazing. Mm. <laughs> Seven and a half is really good for us. But the you, the fact that the best sketch like if I like I would look at it and go, the monologue was probably the best part of the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was and a good for update it to have too. the same rating as the highest I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. Okay. Well, you know, look, it, it takes all types, Dustin, and <laughs> you you've uh, you're. It's why there's a reason why it's in the opinion section and not in the news section. So that's right, right. <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> we spent too much time on this now. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, uh, in a oh, speaking of. Of using your kids and uh, and forcing them to do labor for you, Dustin. Mm-hmm. Uh, have the, have the two of you heard of this show called Old Enough? No, I didn't until you just gave that lead in. Is this the one about the little kids going to do errands? Yes. <laughs> so this is actually an old show. I I think I don't know if this is the exact one, but this this kind of format has been going back to at least the '90s in Japan, but. 
they just put it up on Netflix. Uh, the the actual name is Hajime Teno Otsukai, which means first errand in Japanese. Uh, but uh, the English version, or the English name of it, they're calling it Old Enough. Uh, it is a series of segments. So, like, each episode, the longest an episode is, is like, 20 minutes, but most of them are, like, 10 to 15, 10 to 12. Uh, and the format is always the same. They end up in some part of Japan, usually a small town, because then it's less likely that the kids will get run over. And a child who is somewhere between the age of two and a half is probably the youngest up to like i think the oldest they go is maybe like five or six at least within these episodes um and they're told by their parents to complete some kind of task often they have to go down to like a local shop and buy something or oh no your dad forgot his his hat and he needs his hat (laughs) before work and like don't you want him to be able to do his job and so and then this child is sent off alone into town or you know wh- wherever they have to go um, to make this delivery or to buy this thing or whatever, and they're being followed by all of these like cameramen and minders and producers to make sure that they don't get run over by a car. Uh, and the the cameramen are always dressed up as like electricians or teachers or like you know normal people you'd see out in the world, and their cameras are like hidden in like a box so they don't you know the idea is that the kid hopefully doesn't recognize that they're being followed and on camera by like you know being followed by like 15 people uh and it's delightful and sometimes the kids are very sad and cry and sometimes they're just like they're like real excited and they're like oh yeah i know how to do this and you know they they just go running excited to go help their parents um do they ever fail uh they never fail (laughs) <laughs> at least not in again so they've released 20 episodes it's super fast to watch uh they never fail in this one um there's a different one that i watched when i was growing up that was like a game show like this one's not a game show this one's just like these kids are doing this thing um there was one that was like a game show version where the if the, the kids had like a time limit to like do their their task or whatever um that one you could fail but um, they never fail. Sometimes they return home early, and then the parent has to like coax them out again. Like they're like, "Oh, I went to the, you know, I went to the store, but it was, but then, and then like they did one task and they came back, and then they're like, "Oh, I couldn't find the bread at the store," and the mom is like, "Really? Like I think you can find the bread." And then they <laughs> talk to them for like fifteen minutes, and they're like, "Finally, the kid was like, okay, I guess I can go back to the store," and they go back. Um, it's. Aww. It's very fun to watch. It's uh, it's family friendly, so you can watch it with the kids if you want. If you and uh, uh, yeah, it's just it, it's Sounds very fun. silly. And, I just want a uh, kid that like gets completely distracted on the on the <laughs> errand, and it's just like I'm gonna go to the beach, and then there, like the producers have to intervene. Like, no. well, the, <laughs> the thing is that when the uh, there are some where the kids get distracted, and when they do the producers do not intervene at least not directly like they don't um they don't uh talk to it's not like you know the producer comes and says hey kid go do your thing like uh they'll nudge them like where uh there's one kid who had to go home to to do a task and then they got home and started playing and then so the producers showed like the mom like video footage saying like or you know probably called down or something and said like hey your kid's goofing off so they had the mom call the house and then, like, he answers the phone, and it's like, are you doing what I asked? And he's like, yes. And he's like, hurry up, finish, and, like, come back. Um, 
So they did that. They and there's one that uh, this is not really a spoiler, but it was just like one of the most charming ones was it was these two boys who were like best friends and they had to go do a task and they saw but they saw and like called out every single camera so they're like oh, oh that man's holding a camera they're like why are you holding a camera and then he was like dressed like an electrician so he was like oh it's to measure electrical equipment and they're like okay and they go can they keep going and they're like, oh there's a camera oh there's a camera and they, they're not like confused by it they're just like oh there are a lot of cameras out today uh and it's great um, anyway, you should watch it on Netflix. It's uh, it's very charming, and um, I'm sure th- this show has been going for quite some time. So I'm sure you know, it seems like it's doing well. So they'll probably license more. Is my hope and expectation. Well, I'm going to check it out. That sounds, <laughs> it sounds lovely. Like yeah, kids do the darndest things, sort of thing. Um, yeah, I didn't really watch that show weirdly. Oh. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, if you want to watch tiny children being forced to go to the store and buy three <laughs> things and then wander around town, uh, yeah, that's that's a show for you. I uh, uh, asked my teenage son last week to use a can opener, and that was fucking hysterical. <laughs> like because he didn't want to, or didn't because know? he had no idea how to use a can opener. Teach your kids how to use a can opener, people. Is this a manual or an electric? A manual. What? Do people still have electric can openers? I thought that was a 70s thing. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I have a manual, but, like, I grew up with an electric. Yeah, I grew up with one. You did? Yeah. Well, huh. It got very gross. I yeah. bet. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember it finally breaking down, and my mom, I don't. I feel like she just sort of... She was like, we got to go buy a new one. Like, she she couldn't use... I mean, she, she understood how... To, she did at least understand how to use the manual one, but it was, like, it was too much of a hassle. She, it was just, like, any time that electric can opener broke, it was just like, we got to go buy a new one right now. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they always had an electric... They also always have a toaster, and I'm like, does anyone toast anymore? Um, no, I mean we have toaster ovens now. Right, yeah, I, have, I have a toaster I have a, oven too. I have a convection oven, and I will put toast in it. But for the for like over a decade, I never had a toaster or a convection oven for that. And it was like if you want to toast something, you turned on the entire oven. Wait, what's the difference between <laughs> what you turned on wait, the entire oven to as toast a kid, bread? You turn on the entire oven, or as an adult? As an adult. No, as oh. a kid, my parents have always had a toaster, like a little toaster, you know, for like bagels and toast and stuff. Okay. And then, when I, you know, when I grew up and I just never got a toaster and now I still don't have a toaster. <laughs> and so I'm just sort of like, do people just like... Do okay, things? now I'm confused because I thought that everyone... Toaster? I have I have mm-hmm. a convection oven. But... Right, yeah. Well, I right. just got a convection oven. Well, I had a well, toaster that's... for a long time that I honestly never used, but I right. had it. Yeah. Um, and then I, I got a convection any. oven, which I now but use. But I've never made toast in an oven. I mean, it's really... Uh, inconvenient <laughs> Seriously? i mean i wouldn't make like toast toast it's like if you want to heat like is the toast any buns. good from the toast from the oven no you don't make normal to- it's like if i want to heat up hamburger buns or something you can put it in a skillet or you can toss them in the oven for you know heating up rolls or something you just toss oh. it in for a few minutes like i'm not yeah. making like slices of toast to put right. ham okay. on that feels like so I for years just, you didn't have skillet. toast i just know yeah basically yeah basically what i'm saying is for years i never had toast 
But I also, for a lot of that, I lived in New York. So if I wanted something toasted, I would go to the bodega mm. and buy yeah. it toasted. Yeah. Like, why I wasn't, like, making bagels at home. Right. No, that, make, mm. that makes sense. Yeah, if you're... Okay, I take it back. It, when when you're in New York, that's fine. Like, yeah. just go to the bodega, get it there. Yeah, I can go to the bodega and Hang get, out. like, six slices of toast and a literal pound of bacon wrapped in tin foil from the Greek diner down the corner. Like, Hang out with the bodega cat. Yeah, uh, like, every... Yeah. I, I secretly bodegas? I secretly want to... Mm. Yeah. Yeah, you can get huh. everything there. I used to have a bodega that would deliver seltzer and a pack of cigarettes. Uh. You had to have over $10 worth of merchandise for them to deliver. Did so, they just call that the Tory? Being in your 20s is awesome. <laughs> uh. Even though I know it is an insane amount of work, I secretly kind of would love to open a bodega, but it's just to have a bodega cat. Those like, cats are the best. Like, those cats are a special breed because yeah. they, they're... They're they both, don't run outside. Well, they're both hardworking and lazy somehow. Yeah. Like they, they do lay their on job, everything. but they lay on everything. Yeah. And and you just kind of accept that. Yeah, sometimes they're going to be by the produce, and that's fine. Yeah, like today they're on the avocados. Tomorrow they're in the chips. If you want a chip, you have to pull it out from under the cat. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I my favorite is when they're like laying, like sort of laying in the cooler, and I'm like. You clearly have to, it has to be a hot day for you to want that because every mm-hmm. cat I know wants to be warm. So it's like, how hot is it in the city for that cat to be like, because it's always those, you know, the open coolers where they've got the like strings of clear plastic instead yeah. of doors and you reach through that to, you know, get the milk or yogurt or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the cat's just kind of like hanging out on the outside of it. I'm like, oh, honey, it must be a heat wave. <laughs> Oh, by the way, when are you getting your second cat, Dustin? Have you gotten it? Uh, no, uh, May the 4th. Oh, wow. So oh, the, it's a Star in, Wars in cat. exactly a month. That's, yeah, the, the kids are naming it Chewy because it's, they're getting it on May the 4th. And Uh-oh. by they're getting it, you're driving to pick it up. <laughs> yep. Going to the Trump house. Oh, my gosh. The what? <laughs> That's it's the same person that we got the first cat from, and it's like in uh, northern Maine. And I drove up there, and it's out in the middle of nowhere. And I come up to the driveway, and there's Trump signs all over it. And then uh, I'm like, shit, I've got to go in here. And then there's signs that say no trespassing, and then something about uh, guns on premises. And then you finally go in their driveway, and they all got NRA like bumper stickers. And I'm shit. I hope to God I have the right place. Hope to God, because if I don't, I'm fucked. And they breed cats. Oh, uh, I I don't know if you'd call it breeding. I think they just don't fix their cats. Oh, and they have a lot of cats. I mean, there's a grab by the pussy joke in here somewhere. <laughs> I'm sure. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, the next time the Trumpers reach out to you about a new litter of kittens, are you going to say no, or are you just going to keep inheriting <laughs> one conservative cat at a time? <laughs> I hope to God we can. I can say no next time. Dustin, this this basically sounds like you have a cat subscription now, <laughs> and you will never get rid of it. You will always just keep getting cats every every few months. Every, yeah, every every quarter there's a new mm-hmm. kitten. <laughs> but at least the subscription boxes come to his house. He has to go out of his. Oh, that's true. To get this, this is worse. It's like an hour and a half away. 
Uh, Speaking of things, Dustin can't quit. <laughs> what a segue. Um, sorry, Tori, I didn't mean to cut you off. No. Uh, but I did have a segue. Uh, it it's time for Dustin's Riverdale recap. Dustin <laughs> talks about his favorite television show of all time, <laughs> yeah. Riverdale. <laughs> uh, you know what? This week's episode was kind of boring. Uh, um, the the bad guy has availed himself. He's uh, Percy Percival? Perry Percival? I don't know. Something like Percival Perkins. That's his name. Percival Perkins. He uh, He can control minds. Was he and in he, the house explosion? No, no, no. So then how did but he get powers? Is I he the know. serial killer? No, he, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we may find out later that he's another serial killer, uh, but he can control minds, and there's this big subplot about the uh, unhoused population who live in Sketch Alley. My God, <laughs> Sketch Alley. Um, and... Uh, there's a big, like, Archie decides to build miniature houses for each one of them. And uh, Percival's like, no, that's a bad idea. And he goes ahead with it anyway. And then Percival ends up um, using his mind control powers to tell them all to leave. Uh, and then... Which he could have Ver- done from the start? Yes, yes. Okay. And then Veronica is trying to go legit with her casino because... Uh, Percival was also bad mouthing it because he's like he's like trying to control the town now, and uh, but that didn't work because he used his mind control powers to talk a gambler into uh, hanging himself. So Veronica at the end is like, "Fuck it, if I can't go legit, I'm just gonna go all the way dirty." And that was kind of the episode. Betty Betty did come back at the end of the episode to say that uh, she lost the uh, trash bag killer in in Maine, of all places. Oh, yeah, just lost him. Yeah, well, she, she was on on his trail and lost him somewhere in Maine. I thought she was leading him away, like he was on her trail. That's what it sounded like last week, but this week she lost him in Maine, and then she came back and uh, she could still see people's auras, but she. Light gives a really bad migraine, so she just wears sunglasses and no one's allowed to turn on the lights. She's turning into the fly, isn't she? Maybe. <laughs> oh, and Cheryl is still, Abigail is still inhabiting her body, but Britta uh, like took a nap and went into her dreamscape and saved her from her mother. I like how That's, you said basically that was all that happened, and then you said thirty <laughs> more things that make don't make yeah. sense to to those of us on the outside. They do not make sure. any sense. And Jughead uh, doesn't need; he's still deaf, but he doesn't need to hear because he can read people's minds. So he can still talk with them because he just hears what they're saying in his head. And then, and then he talks back, or does he talk into their heads? No, he talks back. So Jughead's power, like it just does not make any difference whatsoever. No. And no, I, I mean, except that when he's at, when they're at the like the city councilor meeting, and like uh, Percival is like, we need to run these uh, unhoused people out of town, and uh, Archie and Jughead are like, oh, that sounds terrible. But Jughead can hear all the citizens going, yeah, that's what we ought to do. 
Oh, so he, he just gets kind of a leg up. And has any has Archie used his like super strength again? He didn't. Or? He didn't use it at all this episode. Oh. Hmm. Although there was a weird. They're like building these miniature houses, and then at some point Archie goes, and yeah, Benjamin Moore gives us free paint. You're like, oh, that's a weird product placement. I mean, he's building houses. Yeah. <laughs> miniature houses. I don't it's know a what whole they movement, don't... tiny houses. Yeah. It is? Yeah. yeah. Huh. They look just like sheds. Well, also part of the movement. Yeah, I mean, it's those people, and well. It's, yeah. You have the people, there are people who consciously, like, try to build a 200 square foot home. Um, but I do think there's also a movement to try and, like, yeah, create housing for people who don't have any by, like, using, uh, like, recycled materials and create, like, small, small houses. Right, right. Oh. But there is, like, the opposite side where it's, like, you know... The Home Improvement Network, or whatever it is called, like DIY Network, shows people making 200 square foot houses for themselves. In <laughs> Sketch Using Alley. like thousands and thousands of dollars. Yeah. Oh, God. <sighs> anyway, that's Riverdale this week. All right. That's Dustin's Riverdale recap. <laughs> um, makes, makes sense. Uh, no, it doesn't. Why no, it doesn't. I say that? I don't know no. why I said that. It never uh, makes sense. <laughs> Yet Dustin keeps watching, um, which is which is really it, for all it, of us. We should be. It moved you. to Sunday night, so now I'm like, there's like 17 shows I have to watch on Sunday night, but I'm always like, I gotta watch Riverdale because I can talk about it in the podcast. <laughs> Don't blame us. Yeah, come on. You get your son you, to watch it and rate it. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of shows that aren't on Sunday, uh, that's not great. that works. Um, Tori, it's time to talk about uh, last week's Kung Fu. Oh my God, you guys. Last week's Kung Fu was great. <laughs> so fun. Oh my God, it was so fun. Okay, so um, Henry was like half naked again and like they had a whole makeout scene and I hope that just continues. Like I really like uh, the Henry and Nikki who apparently are, are their like couple name is Hickey, which just oh. seems inappropriate. Um, I don't know if you've heard about that, Dan. Uh, I'm, I'm never on Twitter, so I don't know. Uh, yeah, that. just never on Twitter at all. Um, weird, because you retweet a lot of interesting yeah. stuff. Oh, about this. Uh. Um, but anyway, so Hickey, we're like making out, and that was that was adorable. Um, but most of the episode was about Clementine, which is um, Nikki's sister's car, Althea's car, which is this like gorgeous old orange um, car, and her husband... It gets carjacked. He loses it. He's like all mm -hmm. worried. So mm -hmm. Nikki and um, what's his name? Garrett? Gavin? I believe his name is Evan. Okay. Well, that seems unlikely. Um, <laughs> he He's like, yeah, there have been a lot of, you know, car thefts. And, you know, Nikki's like, what if it's a ring? So she, she gets Ryan involved and they all go and like uh, they're going to catch the car thieves. And they un they basically like uncover this whole ring, which was also cute because um, is his name Dennis, the husband? Uh, yes, I yes. believe his name is Dennis. Uh, the, the mathlete. Yes. Um, so this was like he, because they're keeping it from Althea, he's kind of taking her place. So he's the one that's like 
getting information for them because but his information it's not like he's a tech wizard he's just kind of like rich mm-hmm. so all of his like special insidery knowledge is like i just know rich people and like they tell me things so he's mm-hmm. like reaching out to his like other rich friends and they're like yeah no there's totally this like fancy party where um there's like a basically a former criminal who is can like get things for rich people like bazookas or tigers or whatever Uh um which makes sense um and so his current scheme is stealing cars to take to these fancy parties and let rich people blow them up so that is the fate that's waiting clementine so nikki and by this point althea has figured out something's going on and she's like all upset so nikki dennis and althea show up at the party undercover and they have to get Nikki has to get pictures of all the VIN numbers to send to Garrett, um, so the cops can show up. But here's the twist, okay? Guess who's running the party? The like head of this car thieving ring. Um, I I couldn't possibly guess the That's guy an, from Supernatural. Yes, which guy? <laughs> God. No, no he's not you. God. No, the other no, one. Not God. God's best friend on the podcast. <laughs> on the podcast, Gabriel. And yeah. did you know who his girlfriend was? No, you didn't. Because uh, I don't know if you really had to watch her episodes. Donna from Supernatural. Oh. Both of them were from Supernatural. And yeah, so Gabriel, and he also directed the, the episode. He like directs a bunch of CW stuff. Um, oh, he does? Yeah. Richard huh. Spate. I think for him. Yeah. So he directed the episode and he's in it. And there's like this. Oh, my God. It's so cute. So he like has to fight with Nikki. And I'm like, you had to direct yourself fighting with Nikki. That's so cute. And then there's a part where uh, Nikki like gets him up, uh, like kind of throws him forward over the car and has him like pinned. And then they're stuck listening to like Althea and Dennis make make up. And it's just like beautiful speech about how like, you know, marriage is like two people who aren't perfect and blah, 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 blah. And the whole time he's doing like a very Gabriel thing. Like he's like reacting and smiling. (laughs) and stuff and every time nikki like pushes him harder into the car um and then of course uh clementine accidentally blows up so so um, and then some other stuff happened oh um garrett lost his job (laughs) um he got like busted um like they figured out that he was totally like covering for something involved with the tans so Mm -hmm. Um, his boss kicked him out. But of course, the whole thing is he's also investigating his boss because he knows she's got connections. So, but whatever, like all the, like, so that, that's some drama. He just lost mm-hmm. his job. Um, mm-hmm. And Ryan definitely has the hots for the chef. For the chef. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember. And uh, I believe we met, uh, I mean, I haven't seen oh. it, so I can't say, but I believe we met a new character yes. related to Henry. Yes, Henry's dad is oh, there, dad. and he's uh, a dirt bag. Um, so you kind of find <laughs> out about, like, Henry, like, why he's, like, kind of on his own. It sounds like his dad left his mom, and and his dad just seems like, a, it comes off as kind of just like a dirt bag. But they, mm. they try to, like, bond, and then he's like, oh, I don't like want anything from you and he like leaves but then at the end of the episode you find out that the the dad and this woman who you think is like his girlfriend who leaves the apartment when henry arrives like they're talking about how like um henry like nikki is a problem and they need to like he needs to continue getting closer to henry but like maybe get her away from nikki and he's like he's never gonna leave nikki and she's like well you you gotta deal with your son or whatever like so i don't know what their deal is if they're connected to to tan or i think so yeah right like they've got it something or if it's like some uh, whole other 
drama going on. If only someone could give us some hints as to where that plot line is going. I mean, it's anybody's guess. That's the that's is the it? fun thing. Yeah, is I think though? so. Okay. I mean, who who can say where it might go? Uh, <laughs> I, well, one I have a one question. thing. Uh, oh, sure. What's your question? I uh, just it's you know Dan doesn't know about this show in particular, yeah. but he understands movie magic, and I'm just. Did, did that car really blow up? Because that would be really sad. It was a really nice car. Well, I'm pretty certain that that car did not actually blow up. Okay, okay. Um, but, you know, I, I, you know they, don't, they don't really do that for the... Uh, for, for, uh, what do you do? Just swap it out with, like, a junker well, and then blow well, that just, up? You just put, like, then... flame effects on top of it. Oh. And then, I like, throw, like a... throw a door into screen. Yeah. That was a pretty good... Uh, look an explosion i have to say i mean you know it's 2022 people know how to make fake fire yeah visual effects are pretty pretty good mm, these pretty days. Great. i was really bummed because there was the whole garage scene where there were a bunch of stolen cars and none of them were the supernatural impala which i'm kind of like you have that many people from supernatural and you can't get <laughs> one goddamn impala oh that would have been really cool it would have been great like imagine oh. if that car chase had been nikki in the impala anyway just saying it was a missed opportunity that does sound well, like a missed opportunity but... richard spate didn't die so maybe i'll come back will he come back you know who can say uh but it did seem like he was he was being taken down at least right he was so, yeah um uh i again i don't watch the show i haven't seen this but uh i believe uh the actor playing henry's dad is terry chen who has been in a ton of shows like you've definitely seen him in stuff Dustin, you probably saw him in uh, A Million Little Things. Uh, oh, oh. As, uh, if you remember, he was uh, he was a love interest for Grace Park, uh, I think, last season. Uh, I think I, I'd quit by then. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, he's been in a bunch of stuff. You've seen it. Oh, here's where Dustin would know him. He played Ben Fong Torres in uh, Almost <gasps> Oh, yeah. Holy <laughs> shit. That's him? <laughs> that, that's that's him. That no was way. Terry Chen, I believe, no at the start way. of his career. Um, anyway, oh, he was in, he was in he, Jessica Jones too. He's been in a ton of stuff. You've definitely seen him in other things, uh, but he's a great actor uh, and uh, is. Uh, it seems to looks like he will probably come back on uh, Kung Fu. From what I've, well, from what you say, it sounds well, like yeah, he's yeah. No, we got to unravel the mystery of what yeah. what he's doing with Henry. Um, oh my God, he's being found. I would love it. <laughs> That really excites me. <laughs> we know, Dustin. We know. <laughs> <laughs> and that was Kung Fu Corner. <laughs> Thank you, Tori. You're um, welcome. Uh, I don't have a segue because I still haven't seen this show. Uh, speaking of shows I haven't seen, how about that? There you go. Uh, Dustin wanted to talk about this week's winning time, or last week's winning time. Yeah, I just want to talk about winning time in general, and this week, because... I, if you're not watching Winning Time, the crazy thing about Winning Time is like uh, I think we're four or five episodes in, and and they they say that Adam McKay takes a lot of dramatic liberties. So, you know, throughout all of the shows, I find myself going to Wikipedia all of the time. Like, is this true? Is this true? And what's insane is like a lot of the most insane things on the show are absolutely true, and I cannot believe this many crazy things happened in like a short period of time when like between the time Jerry Buss bought the team, then they drafted Magic Johnson and then uh, like the, they tried to get Jerry Tarkanian to be the coach, but then uh, there was a mob hit and a dead body 
and then he couldn't be the coach, and then they hired Jack McKinnon, and then Jack McKinnon was in a near-fatal bicycle accident that was gruesome in this episode, and then he gets kicked out, which, you know, eventually makes the way for uh, Pat Riley to become the assistant coach, but all of this crazy stuff happens, and then they had this week's episode had the uh the Lakers season opener in like the fourth or fifth episode you're finally getting the season opener mm-hmm. and um it's against the San Diego Clippers uh and on that team first of all is Kobe's dad which you're like what I didn't even know that Kobe's dad played the NBA uh but his name is Jellybean Jellybean uh, Bryant and then uh at the end of the game um and on the show, uh, they, they're down by one, and they have two seconds left, and they do an inbound pass to Kareem, and he does a skyhook and nails it, and they win at the buzzer, and then Magic Johnson's freaking out and, like, hugging Kareem like they just won the world championship, and then Kareem sort of, like, pushes him off, and, like, because uh, Kareem at the time was, like, really grumpy, and then walks off the court, and the reporter's, like, what do you think? And he's like, Allah Akbar. And then you're like, what? And, and, you're, and then I was like, is that true? Isn't it? So I look it up and I actually watch that game on YouTube. I watched the last, uh, you know, few minutes of it to see. And it's like all true. That happened. Two seconds left. Skyhook. And then he walks off the court. He said a little more to the reporter than that. But uh, it's crazy. Like just this insane series of events that make up this show all being true. Anyway, it's really a good, well-done show and so much more drama than you would imagine. And that's what I'll say. <laughs> Do you know this much about the Lakers, Dan? Uh, I didn't. The The Showtime era, at least the early Showtime era, is definitely before my time. Right, um, me too, yeah. So I didn't... I, 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 the thing that I knew the most about them was that they were fun to watch. Uh, yeah. Uh, they were rivals with the Celtics. We haven't and, got there yet. Yeah. And uh, James, was it James Worthy is very religious and was a virgin, which is like in my head, I'm like, how do you, how are you like partying oh. in the eighties with like this team? And, and like uh, you're, I mean, that's good for him. That's Wait, there's like a, a virgin sport player. He, well, he was. I mean, he's now married, I believe, and has kids. But yeah, um, this was. I think this <laughs> that was, sounds uh, interesting. James Worthy Worthy wasn't on the team, although um, they brought in a guy in this I, episode. You know, uh, I bet I bet I'm getting it wrong, but uh, no, no, no. That's that's. Wait, I, I remember. Was it James Worthy? I remember James Worthy being on the Lakers in that era, but in this episode, they brought in another um, uh, a Muslim uh, player. Uh, who's played by the guy from The Wire, who, at least in this episode, and I should have looked this up, he circumcised himself with a rock. Hmm. Which was crazy, and I should have looked up and see if that was true. Uh, he's a, a player that whose name you'd recognize, and I can't think about it right now for some reason. Uh, I got the player wrong. It was A.C. Green, sorry. Oh, A.C. Green, I remember him too. Yeah. That, that was, he's not in the... In, on this Lakers yet. Yeah. Either. But he, he remained uh, celibate until he got married. Oh. Let's, let's go back to the penises. 
Um, do people uh-huh. just talk about their circumcisions? Like, how do you find out the manner in which well, someone it's was like, circumcised? Mm. There was a rumor, oh, at least in the episode, there was a rumor that he had done that. And, like, all the players are, like, trying to catch a peek in the locker room. And then he just comes out and says, yeah, that's what I did. And he shows them the penis. His penis. Like, do you see it? No, no, you don't see it. Oh, okay. So this is not uh, euphoria. Yeah, I was going to no. say. Or what was the Tommy, the Pam and Tommy thing with the, the singing? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, I'm just I'm, saying, there's a lot of been, been a lot of dong on TV lately. Oh, yeah, Minks, so much dong. Yeah. Uh, I need to find out who this player was real quick <laughs> before, before we move on. Uh, was uh, it Spencer Haywood? No. Uh, is that the guy from The Wire? Oh, I don't know the actor. Uh, yeah, we don't watch the show. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds familiar. Was he Muslim? I don't know. I looked up uh, Winning Time Circumcision, and it says... Did Lakers star Spencer Haywood something? Oh, okay, yeah, circus. that's him then. Yeah. <laughs> so my Google searches are real weird now, but um, anyway, uh, let's move to a show that uh, doesn't have any. Uh, penises. Well, that's not him. Spencer Haywood is played by Chick Hearn. Chick Hearn's from not from The Wire. Are there no, two circumcision storylines? Or did I just get confused? It's um, uh, um. What's his face from The Wire? Um, I don't know. Wood Harris, Spencer Haywood, Spencer Haywood. That's what he said. That's what he said. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. I was going through IMDb and I saw Spencer Garrett was playing Chick Hearn. I'm like, no, it's not Chick Hearn. And then, okay, yeah. Wood yeah, Harris, Chick Hearn yeah. is the legendary Lakers announcer. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And does we not know. look at all like anyone who was on the Lakers. No. All right. All right. Yeah. Also, yeah, Wood Harris. No, nobody really knows or cares about his circumcision. Mm. No. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, Wait, did your Google search uh, confirm that he did? I did not click on any of the links, Dustin. (laughs) I just uh, ruined my algorithm. Um, Anyway, back to shows that do not talk about circumcision, at least in the first episode. Uh, Moon Knight premiered on (laughs) Disney+. Uh, And, Tori, I know you wrote about it. You have a lot of thoughts, um, which I definitely read. So I'm totally prepared for this segment. <laughs> well, did you guys watch it? I did. Dustin? I did, yeah. And okay. I ended up liking it a lot more than I thought I would. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'd be more interested in hearing what you guys think. Uh, uh, I, yeah, go ahead, Dustin. Oh, I thought it was going to be really weird, but it wasn't. I mean, it was weird enough to be fun, but not weird enough to be like David Lynch legion weird which might have been a disappointment to you oh i would watch david lynch's legion (laughs) oh god i would watch legion moon knight i would watch Mm. any of it but yeah but it it wasn't it wasn't it was still a marvel disney right show but it was weird but still intriguing and like i had no idea what was going on like because i don't know anything about this character i've never heard of this character so uh it was sort of fun to see the origin of it and then to him come out as Moon Knight at the very end it was like whoa what what the, what the fuck so it was, yeah I thought it was pretty fun yeah and Oscar Isaac is fantastic yeah he's great in it I mean I think it's also interesting because like um, yeah like you're saying like there's it's not 
it is a very much comic book fans will have heard of the character, you know, may may enjoy the character, but it's not like like when Marvel was coming out with the Captain America movie, everyone knew who Captain America was, whether or not you read right. any comics with him. Right. right. Like nobody unless you read a comic <laughs> about it with him in it, like knew who the hell Moon Knight was. And this was not the origin that anyone who does know Moon Knight would expect for the character. Like, it's not, it's a very sideways introduction, like picking Mm. a different persona for him and kind of going in cold. Um, So that I thought was interesting because it kind of keeps everyone on their toes. So, like, if you don't know the character, you still don't know what's going on. And you're like, the mystery of the show is unraveling who this guy is. Um because it's literally like a character with dissociative identity disorder. Um, and but so it's his, also like, run reveling it for him. Right. Exactly. Way. Like, like, you know, in a lot of, a lot of superhero stories, like the hero has a secret identity and everyone in his life is unaware of his heroic persona. He's got this like mild mannered alter ego. And that's the version that everyone knows. And no one, nobody knows Peter Parker as Spider-Man until they do. And so in in Moon Knight, it's the main character is the is the mild mannered alter ego, and he doesn't know he's Moon Knight. So it's the whole show is him finding out that he's the superhero um, because voices in his head are yelling at him. Um, and I think it's just a really interesting uh, introduction to the character, and not at all how it kind of that's not the origin of the character that anyone who is familiar with him from the comics would have expected. So, um, curious if the like comic origin of the character, how that's going to play into the show, because it's only six episodes. Right, right. Um, well, not now. I'm curious. What's the comic origin? Um. So. So the first appearance of Moon Knight was in. There was a comic. Uh, so, in like the 60s, 70s, like kind of Marvel. Uh, there, there were a lot of horror titles. So they had this one title called Were- Werewolf by Night, I think. Um, and it was, a car- it was a guy called Jack Russell who, you know, inherited a, a werewolf curse. And it was like his adventures. Um, and so there's this two-comic two arc where a, a, a sort of shadowy group is trying to capture this werewolf. And they hire a mercenary named Mark Spector, and they give him a Moon Knight costume. And they're like, you know, you know, pretend to be the moon, because, like, you know, it's a werewolf, and, like, go capture him for us. And so it's just this, like, random mercenary who goes, captures this werewolf, brings him in, and then in the process realizes that the cabal that hired him are clearly evil, and that the werewolf, like, despite being a werewolf, is more or less an innocent guy and decides to free him Hmm. so it's just like a two arc you know he's like a random one-off character um the writers end up kind of liking the idea of him and they they expand on it but what they end up so like the first thing is like oh he's actually not just like a mercenary he was actually undercover to get information about that committee the like the people who were going you know he was he was undercover and then you get his whole, and then it's somewhere along the line, it's not them who gave him the costume. It's like, uh, 
at one point he was working for this villain in his mercenary days and the villain uh is trying to get this treasure from a recently like unearthed tomb in in egypt and he kills the scientist um that discovered the tomb and the scientist's daughter is still there um and so mark specter is like horrified that like he he kind of knew his boss was bad but didn't realize he was like that bad so he tries to like save the woman and and get her out and his boss uh like injures him and so he like crawls through the desert and like you know injured and like makes it to like the base of this tomb and it turns out it's a tomb to like this god called Khonshu and uh the god resurrects him and gives him the powers of moon knight he's like a loon he's this egyptian lunar deity um and then somewhere along the lines he gets like multiple personalities and you know and and so it just it like his story starts out one way and then over the years has just been like rewritten so many times and there's like there's one arc where they're like no because at first it's like it's not multiple personalities it's like he just has secret identities so like when he needs information on the street he pretends to be a taxi driver or like when he needs money he's like has this rich character which is Stephen Grant the one that you're introduced to as Oscar Isaac oh okay um this time they've kind of rewritten that to be this like museum shop employee who's British um but anyway so like you know he has these different kind of personas and then it's like no they're literally multiple he he actually has dissociative identity disorder and then another writer is like no he doesn't um he actually experienced brain damage (laughs) when Khonshu resurrected him (laughs) so it's not an illness it's like actual like physical something and then other writers have been like no 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 it's it really is mental illness like forget what that guy said so I mean the character is just a mess so it sounds like the the show itself is almost kind of playing with the like the the way that the character has been treated in the comics well I think yeah I think they're well if if they're not playing I think they're capitalizing on it mm. I think that if, if anything what I'm trying to explain is that there is no definitive text for this character okay it's been rewritten so much over the years um, and he's a, such a minor character anyway um, and really like if you add you know all of that is his personas like what Moon Knight is is just a Batman ripoff you know instead of being dressed in black he's dressed in white all of his images are of moons rather than bats but literally the same thing he like throws moon-shaped knives and has a moon-shaped plane and you know i'm like it's it's it, you know and and instead of being obsessed with bats he's obsessed with the moon like it's just a batman guy i mean that sounds pretty different i, I guess um, <laughs> you know and they're obviously like you know that batman isn't getting his powers from an egyptian god so there's that but um uh so i think that there's what i like about the show is is that for most for most of the audience like there are always going to be comic nerds out there who are like nitpicking it but while most of us might know captain america from the movies we understand that that's not the definitive version of captain america or iron man or spider-man like these characters endured in the pages for so long 
mm-hmm. Moon Knight is so minor that this is an opportunity for the the show to actually become the definitive text. And by introducing him in one way, like that is going to shape who that character is. Probably in the comics, I think it'll reflect back into the pages because if they nail it, that is what Moon Knight will be in the mm-hmm. comics as well. So a similar thing happened with Guardians of the Galaxy where right. most of the characters like Drax, Gamora, like they pretty much, that's who they were in the comics. When they cast Chris Pratt, like Star-Lord was not Chris Pratt in the comics mm-hmm. until Chris Pratt was hired. And mm-hmm. then Star-Lord became that. Um, but again, you know, Star-Lord was a very minor character until the movies. So right. we're kind of seeing that happen again. Do they still make Moon Knight comics? Um, yes. Well, especially in the, hmm. in the lead up to a, a, a new show, like they will. Um, but he's a character who pops up. He was never like an Avenger or anything, but he, there are team ups with, um, like Daredevil. Um, and I think he was in the secret Avengers at one point. Like he's always kind of around, um, in some ways for a while, it was a bit of a dare, uh, like before Deadpool became Deadpool, he was just a guy, like this really ancillary character who would kind of pop up sometimes. And that was kind of like Moon Knight. He would just, it was like, some weird shit's going down. Moon Knight shows up. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, um, and he's had his own, uh, you know, he's always had his own title on and off. But anytime they give him a title, somebody tries to rewrite what he is. And then it gets confusing again. So he works better as a, a random guy who shows up when stuff's going down. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I, when I thought that it was a six episode series that probably wouldn't connect with the Marvel universe that much, I thought, oh, well, I could take a break and I don't have to watch this one, but then I watched that first episode and now I want to see it. But isn't it nice to watch it? It is. Not having to sit there and go like, Mm. how is it going to connect? Right. Like it's, it is yeah. nice, and it feels. Um, it also made it feel very like. Um, yeah, it, it, I I didn't have that worry so far, and again, we've only seen the first episode, but um, I'm kind of hoping that it will remain relatively free of the rest of it. <laughs> well, so the couple things are working in the favor. Supposedly, uh, Oscar Isaac is only signed on for the show. Mm. So if they want to include him, and like, look, realistically, if they have a good idea for how to include Moon Knight in the future and they throw enough money at him, I'm sure he'll agree. Right. But one thing is I don't believe he has signed on for, like, he, he's not like, locked into like a multi-year or right. multi-property contract. Six, six movies and right. it's three like, other guest appearances. Yeah. Like, it's not a Tom Holland, it's not a Chris Evans kind of contract. It's he agreed to do this show. He has these six episodes. Um, and I believe they planned it so that it's essentially in like 2025. Like it's more or less the present, but just far enough in the future that it, it is disconnected from the present of their other shows and movies. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. So it's this weird thing of like, you're not going to see these effects impact him. He won't right now impact them but Mm -hmm. once his stuff is done and once kind of the mcu gets through the next you know essentially if you think 2025 if it's set in 2025 what they already have planned is going to take you to there 
Like they've got the next couple of years already in production of shows and movies. So by the time they get to the, whatever the big crossover event is, they'll more or less have caught up to Moon Knight. And if they can convince him to come back, we'll see what happens. Or if the show does really well and he agrees to come back for another season, fair enough. Right. Um, but there, and and the char- again the character's so minor like you're not there's not really Easter eggs to look for <laughs> there's not like what do you it doesn't matter it's really just nice to be able to watch it and enjoy it for what yes. it is and it's not you're right it's not like super David Lynchy or Legiony but it also still does feel different enough from other Marvel fare yeah um, yeah they they did. It did definitely feel like they found a nice balance between. I mean, as much as I, I'm I enjoyed Legion and also stopped watching it. So, <laughs> like it's like a like I understand the idea of how uh, it can feel inaccessible. Um, yes. But this this was still very accessible. Yeah. Um, and we haven't even talked about Ethan Hawke as creepy cult bad guy. Cult guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, which I don't really know what's going on other than that he seems to be some weird leader. tattoos yeah yeah he's um so he's uh, basically he he worships this egyptian goddess amit um the main thing you have to know about the premiere is that like the moon knight god Khonshu, like that has not been mentioned at all you've heard him yelling in oscar isaac's head but his name his whole deal none of that has been introduced however the, the show venom is- guy yeah, yeah, the Venom voice, basically. However, the show has spent a lot of time through Ethan Hawke explaining what Amit's deal is. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Amit is the goddess. Uh, she's kind of like a crocodile-headed goddess who, when somebody dies, they're the scales of justice and their heart is weighed. And if it is heavier than a feather, it's like they, you know, they're bad. If it's lighter than a feather, they go to, you know, they're good. So... For all the ones that are bad, Amit gets to eat them, <laughs> eat the heart. So she's called uh, the devourer of hearts or whatever. Um, and so what Ethan Hawke is doing, he's got this uh, tattoo of scales on his arm. And he is her. It sounds like essentially the, the big evil plan is to judge people before they die. So you eliminate them. But but this also means so Amit. So in the world of the show, Amit doesn't just react like she is the judge and normally it's like it traditionally she isn't there's another god that does the judging and then she just eats the sinners but anyway so in in this case it's like she's handling the scales she's the judge and she can tell um a person's future actions as well as their past actions so if they agree to be judged by ethan hawk and the scales don't tip in their favor they die but they might not have actually committed a crime yet. It's just that she thinks they will. Hmm. So it's the sort of like, how do you, you know, and, and Ethan Hawke's argument is like, well, if Amit had been able to do this, like she would have eliminated Hitler. Right. You know, she would eliminate all these horrible people and you're creating a utopia by getting rid of them early. Right. Which I don't, you know, I think obviously that's not, it's going to be more complicated than that. I'm sure she's just eating souls to get powerful or whatever. Right. Um, but he's a true believer. He's like a breaking glass and putting in his sandals kind of believer. Like he's, he's got his own screw loose. Right. Um, right. Yeah. So he, he, he is after Stephen Grant. 
Oscar Isaac's character um, because Oscar Isaac in all of his sleepwalking <laughs> woke up and stole the scarab thing from him mm-hmm. um, didn't know how he got there and so and Ethan Hawke is is following him and has to you know realizes the fact that this guy doesn't really know who he is but he still has something important um, and meanwhile the voices in, in uh, Stephen Grant's head are trying to tell him to let other people take the wheel right and uh, the voice of Conchu is amazing. Yeah, F. Murray because, Abraham. <laughs> because it's F. Murray Abraham. <laughs> yeah, and it's a lot of surrender to the body and, like, let Mark take over and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. But also, you know, you also are hearing toward the end of the episode, um, Mark, the voice of Mark, right. which is also Oscar Isaac, but with an American ac- accent. Right. And the whole thing is, like, Oscar Isaac as Stephen Grant is wonderful, but it is not convincingly British. Mm. Like, it is, it's a little, you know, a little fake, and it's fine. Mm. Not in a bad way. Like, not in a, you know, you want to make fun of him way. I feel like it's intentional. And I, there is a certain amount of this that's, like, Oscar Isaac enjoying just getting to create these really weird personas. Right. It feels like you're trying to be over the top. Right. With it. Which yeah. would also kind of make sense in... Because it's a manufactured persona, or I guess, right? I'm, or you know, it's it's not the real Mark, obviously. So, well, and that's the question. Like, I think I think that's what they're indicating, but certainly to Stephen, he doesn't know that. Right. Right. So if you know, the show may take the twist that down the line he finds out that Mark is the real dominant personality. Mm-hmm. Um, there was also something really uh, enjoyable about. I'm sure that. This will change as, uh, because, I mean, even through the course of the episode, Mark becomes more and more powerful, and by the end, you know, we actually get to see Mark uh, slash Moon Knight, uh, you know, taking control. Uh, but there was something really fun about the fact that we didn't get to see any of the violence in the in the episode. Um, just that we would, because we were in Steven's point of view, that yeah. he would basically, like, you know, essentially fall asleep and wake up and then find that his hands are covered in blood and he has a gun now and he's and like there are all these dead henchmen around him and he's like what's just happened <laughs> it was really well done and it was mm-hmm. a great visual way to represent what was going on with him mm-hmm. um, and kind of keep you at that distance right um you experience him losing time and what that means right um, but it does make for a, a show that is probably going to ultimately be very violent it injects it with a lot of humor. Yeah. Mostly, ju- and that humor is just Oscar Isaac's reactions. Like, right. He's so funny. Right. But he's like, oh God, why am I holding a gun? Like, <laughs> did he just, and then the voice in his head, did he just throw the gun? Like, um, It's it's also funny uh, to compare that to another show that's been, that's played a lot with that um, over the last, well, several episodes, uh, which is Severance. That is a great segue. Oh, thanks. Um, <laughs> I, I thought so. It was uh, great. And I have had a little bit of whiskey. Uh, so who knows Who knows how much I will whiskey remember. Whiskey is great for this podcast. It's pretty good, right? Well, uh, you know, for like the first hour. Yeah. Uh, we've, uh, we've reached the penultimate episode of Severance. Uh, and the... The... Uh, the Rebellion seems to be nigh, or is it's happening? It's starting to happen. It's, it's happening. Happen. It's yeah. about to. It's, it's it's on the cusp. It's on the cusp. There you go. That's a 
great, great way to describe it, Tori. Why, thank you. Um, um, well, no, because we always talk about how we have a hard time remembering where individual episodes of Severance end. Right. And this is the first time I can really remember where it ended, unless I'm wrong, which could be true. Uh, but I think it ends because it's like um, Dylan is about to throw the switches to wake them up in the outside world. And, yes. um And Mark has just, he's at the book party for yes. with his sister and Rickon. Yes. And, um, and Patricia Arquette is there as like mm-hmm. their friend, all their mutual mm-hmm. friend. And she goes and hugs him. Right. So the episode ends just as he's about to be woken up hugging his boss who he doesn't right. know just got fired. Right. And, and because she's been fired, she is at her own emotional low point And she tells him because he, he outside Mark says, Oh, I think I'm going to leave the company. And she right. tells him, do it, run away, yeah. you know, get away from them. Um, but inside Mark isn't going to remember she said that. Right. And, and will recognize her and be horrified. Right. Um, Very confused. Yeah. Mm. Um, also, uh. <laughs> also Mark, Mark and uh, Heli kissed. Oh, that's right. Uh-huh. Which is going to be did. real interesting when he figures out that Miss Casey is his wife. Mm-hmm. But also Miss Casey is uh, being retired or something. Something. The, some, they're sending her back to like, R and D, R and D, yeah, yeah. So, oh. Oh. but we don't know what that means. Dustin keeps groaning because he's seen the last episode and can't talk about any of it. Uh, oh, all right. Well, before Dustin gets all okay, and yeah. the other I thing see. that happens, shush, shush, is you find out that John Turturro is a painter in mm-hmm. his other life, and he's been painting the hallway and the door and the light. That goes to like R and D, which is which you don't. So that doesn't connect. He keeps painting right, the same right. thing over yeah. and over and over again, and you don't know what it is until they show Miss Casey heading there. Mm-hmm. Um, which is like, I mean, and this is not from. I mean, basically, I, it looks like Miss Casey's being sent for like a reset and like right, which right. Which means that Tartaro's character was probably at one point sent for a reset. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and you also, which also makes sense because at one point, like you finally know why he's been hallucinating the black goo mm-hmm. because in his, his Audi is always painting with right. giant globs of black paint. Right. So there it, is, so you found out like it is a bit of a bleed through from one life to the other. Right. Basically the one thing that's bleeding through in when he's inside is the paint as, as like a hallucination. And when he's outside, the one thing that's bleeding through is this image of R&D, of the hallway toward R&D. Yeah. Um, so I love that he listens to Motorhead. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> it's just not who you think he's going to be in the yeah. outside. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, and he's got a dog. And mm-hmm. oh, I just, I, John Turturro is so good in this show. Yes. <laughs> uh, okay, so I Dustin, want to be as cool as he is at that age. So you watch the finale. Because you have I, I did because I I couldn't stop. Mm-hmm. I just I just can't. I mean, God damn! If you, uh, yeah, and I can't say anything except that. Um, um, yeah, the the way it ends leaves no doubt that there will be a sec- well, there will either be a second season <laughs> or <a> riot. <laughs> there should be a second season, and if there isn't, everyone is going to be very yes. mad. Because it answers some questions, but leaves a lot of what well, just the way it ends. It's just like it's like designed for, to like 
leave you furious hmm. that it's not going to continue. You're just like, what? No. So. But you do find out several things about these people that you did not know before. Okay. Particularly Pelly. Oh, well, so the one thing I will say is there's a glimpse at the end because they kind of like there's this they're intercutting between Dylan as he struggles to reach the two knobs to like activate them um, and where the character, the other where Totoro, uh, you know, Mark Turturro, Irving, sorry, Irving, Mark and Heli, where they are in the outside world in their like Audi life. And the one thing you can see is that Heli is at a fancy party and you mm-hmm. and you don't know what it is, except that when Mark was leaving Lumen that night, they were setting up for a party. So it's pretty clear yeah. that Heli is like a board member or someone higher up, someone mm. involved in the upper echelons at Lumen. Mm. Either doing undercover work or or sanctioned or sanctioned by Lumen to be there, and that's partly why her Audi is so like, no, you can't leave. Right, right. <laughs> um, there's something going on there, um, but yeah, I'm pretty sure she's at that party. Mm. Mm. Oh, you're talking about her being. <laughs> at, you're talking about her being at the uh, the Lumen party. Right, the Lumen. Yeah. Party. Oh, okay, I had a different read on that. Oh, you did. I actually thought that because the only time we sh- we saw shots of her at at the party were like very closely framed. Yeah. I thought she's at the book party. I thought she was dressed way too fancy for it. Could All right, be. Wait, wait. But is it a spoiler, Dustin? Which party is she at? She's not at the book party. Yes. Ah, fine, Dustin. Fine. <laughs> Uh, but that that does make more sense. Seen her. Come on. I know, but it, I just wanted them to run into each other, and it'd be awkward. Anyway, um, <laughs> but um, they wouldn't remember each other, so it wouldn't be awkward. Oh, yeah. I no, know. they would remember each other because well, they're about once to be they woken wake up. up. Yeah, yeah. Okay. They're anyway. Uh, <laughs> there, one one thing that was interesting, which I'm really curious, and Dustin cannot respond to this because mm-hmm. he knows where it goes, but. I'm really, there's something about, so this show has been really good about building mystery and um, keeping us engaged. And it sounds like, with no spoilers, Dustin, that it will continue to do so in a way that is entertaining. Um, Mm -hmm. But because the show has to, you know, land some of the planes by the end of season one, um, this was actually the first time that I felt like, oh, the the timing of everything is, is very convenient um and not in a you know i understand why but it's like oh of course like like it makes sense that this is the moment that uh like like the fact that uh what's her name uh uh rosanna arquette uh patricia Patricia Uh, sorry what is her name harmony harmony the the fact that like harmony is fired now because she has to be fired now because she has to be at her low point when she's at this party when she meets mark who wakes up like like her story is is drawn out in a way that that makes sense because of like her story is is uh timed out for to match marks rather than it being its own story if that makes sense 
I agree. Yeah, yeah. which it, it's not a bad thing. Like I'm not, right. I'm not. I, I, it's just that, like this was the first time that I felt that I felt like TV seams or TV strings being pulled a little bit. Um, whereas it most was, of the time, I've just been enjoying the the ride. But you have to admit, like the ride with her has always like you've always been waiting for that shoe to drop because so many of the the decisions that she made right were ones that were likely to get her in trouble. So you were always kind of waiting for them to catch up. Like, was it convenient that they finally, like, caught up just then? Mm-hmm. Yes. But there was a certain sense of, like, you kind of knew with all of the weird running around she was doing and getting too involved in his life and stuff like that, like, none of that made sense. And it was kind of like, a, well, Lumen, of course, has to step in at some point. And right. losing, you know, her her guy dies and stuff like that. Like, right, right. But she's made a lot of mistakes. She has. <laughs> and it was weird because you kind of assume she has plot armor because to a certain extent, you know the board is there, but she, she's running the shots. Right. And so, you, like, to me it was more like, oh, I just had taken it for granted that she was allowed to do all of this stuff. And so I was a little bit taken aback when they were like, no, we're, we're done with your crap. Like you're fired. Mm-hmm. Like you've, all of this is a bridge too far. Right. But you're right. It's like, it's convenient. They probably should have said that like any time in the past several weeks. Yeah. Can we just mention, I mean, talk about the fact that, so they, they have this fairly boring day to day work job. And then, so much so that then when they have a dance break, it's like a huge deal. But then, uh, what's his face goes and gets waffles. Well, they have the egg, the egg social, which I know Tori is a right. huge fan of. I really <laughs> want one. I'm talking with my friend about having one when I'm in New York. Uh, but then he goes off and he gets the waffles and they have this insane sort of sequence with the dancers and the, what the fuck is going oh, right. on? Okay. The I have party. a question. If, Mark had put Heli up for it. Would they have sent out ma- like male dancers? I don't to know. Do the what the fuck? Like that? If you have only experienced that cubicle for like so long, and you see that, it's gotta like blow your fucking mind. But also, don't they say something like he's won that multiple times? So, like, they have to He's know. had the waffle parties, yeah. Like, he's mm-hmm. had the waffle parties, so he must kind of know that there's something. And, like, all of Mark would, too, I think. Like, they all kind of know. Heli, right. would, as the new person, would be the only person who doesn't know that's how right. it ends. But who wants that at work? I don't know. But also, if, like, work is your only existence. Yeah. Yeah, also, like, it, you it, work really hard to hope you get the... the half naked and I mean is that really that different than a a 2am that you've ended up at Waffle House and you've been out all night and you have a waffle and then you get a show (laughs) (laughs) Dustin Uh, knows Dustin knows what I'm talking about sure yeah absolutely (laughs) so I have a question because this now that you've you've seen the finale Mm -hmm. um do you feel like if they do come back for another season, which seems like they, they will. have to, right, they will, um, is there going to be a paradigm shift or are you going to pick up with these same characters? Because I'm kind of, part of me is thinking about how the first season of Westworld played out and how the show is so much different now than it was then. 
Oh, I think it'll be the same characters, but they will be in a much different position. Place. Okay. Yeah. I, I feel like the finale, not to spoil anything, is designed... The, the entire finale is a, almost a setup for the second season. Okay. Hmm. That's exciting. Yeah, but it's also like... Yeah. Everything that you want to happen in the first five minutes doesn't. Oh. It's like what you want to happen in the first five minutes happens... The, in the last the, five minutes <laughs> yes and you're like what no you keep, you will look at the time to see how much time there is left like many times like no they can't what 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 there's not enough time to resolve anything you're giving me anxiety <laughs> i know it gave, that episode gave me so much anxiety and but that's also what it's designed to do just to make you sweat Ugh, it's true but it's it's great, and that's all I will say. But it's, it's been has it been picked up for season two? It, I mean, <laughs> they have to. <laughs> that's part of the anxiety, Dan. <laughs> no, I understand that, but I feel like I feel like I, it, it hasn't it yet. Has, but it I hasn't. Fe- I, I don't think I've seen it, but I I, I would not know. be surprised if they announced it ahead of the finale. Hmm. Or immediately thereafter. Like, it might be right. one of those things where, like, it is picked up, but they just, we don't know that. Right, right. I mean, this was also, it took them nine months to film the first season. It was written probably, like, three years ago at this point. So, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure the Apple's been planning for this if they're, uh, you know, if they even had a, a hope of renewing it. Yeah, I feel like Apple is like early Netflix, where they're like, they're going to renew almost everything. Also, more than that, it's like you, you've you got this caliber of talent. Yeah. And like you either, to me, it's like you either hire them knowing that there is a definitive end point. So like if they signed on for this one season thing and it wrapped up, like fine. But they, it sounds like the show was plotted out to be like this to end yeah. in this kind of way which means I don't think you get Adam Scott and John Turturro and everyone to like sign up for a show like that knowing that there's a cliffhanger ending like mm-hmm. they must right. anticipate coming back for another season I mean, and then they've, they've given that Octavia Spencer show like three seasons and I don't think anybody watches that Nobody, you wrote about Servant. Like, nobody remembers that that show. I like Servant. I know you like Servant, but I'm just saying, every time it comes back, I'm like, oh, yeah. It's Servant. (laughs) It's, oh, yeah, that show. But when people finally subscribe to uh, Apple Plus because there's so much uh, to watch, they're going to, yeah, they're going to bounce into these shows. Well, they blow through Ted Lasso, and then they're like, well, I've still got that free trial. Right. And watch Servant, and you're going to watch Pachinko. And you're going to watch eventually whatever that Harrison Ford show is. Right. You've got to be looking forward to that. It's Bill Lawrence. Mm. Yeah, it looks fun. I mean, Apple hasn't failed this much. Although they they started a... Sh- oh, yeah, I haven't watched the Samuel Jackson show. That's, like, the only thing I've watched. Yeah. Is that a show or a movie? 
I don't know. It was a show. <laughs> Ptolemy. Yeah. No, I know the show you're talking about. I don't know if it was a show or a movie. Hmm. And also, Dustin, that... you, you have slow horses, which is you, right up your alley. <laughs> right. It's it's fine. It's British. Uh, yeah, uh, it's a show. Are they a bringing back the show. Jason Momoa show? Well, they brought C? it back for two, I mean, a second season. I think so. Did it, it, didn't was... it get a, a season three? Did it? Oh, it's terrible. I really tried because I'm like, it's got to get better, but it just didn't. Dustin, do you want a Reddit spoiler? Yes. Not spoiler, but a Reddit rumor thing? Yes. Uh, if this Reddit, random Reddit post is true, so who knows? Uh, it looks like Severance uh, has already started filming season two. That makes total sense. So, um,. Maybe, maybe it's renewed and just they just haven't talked about it yet. I don't know. It's a random Reddit thing, so who knows? Is that a relief? I would believe it. Well, I, I the way it's set up, there's just like no question whatsoever. Oh, I just want to see it. Okay, fine. <laughs> it's so good. Well, and we'll talk about it next week, and you'll be like, I yeah, don't remember right. what happened. <laughs> here's a question, though. Uh, do you think any? Do you think that that has ever dictated whether or not a show is renewed? Like the fact that you end on a cliffhanger. Do you think that ever makes a difference? Uh, I, I mean, I feel like if the fan outrage is loud enough, mm. even if it's a smaller fan base. I feel like Severance is probably fairly well watched. There's also a difference between like, like a network show that's just like you're not coming back next season, mm-hmm. um, or like a streamer that's like, okay, there's a cliffhanger. It's not quite where we want, but like maybe we'll give you a couple of episodes to wrap it up. Or it's you know now I think there's much more opportunity for things to continue than there used to be. I mean, manifest. Look at Manifest. I know. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to look at it. That's fair. Um, so you have other uh, places that are willing to pick it up for a short run, or you have, I, you know, I, I see like streamers or networks being like, okay, well, you'll, why don't you come back for a movie? Or why don't you come back for a half a season and, and right. wrap up your storyline or whatever? Right. Um, I feel like uh, there was a show called Southland, which I absolutely adored, that ended on a huge cliffhanger where uh, Michael Cudlitz, you didn't know if he was going to live or die. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. They canceled it, and you were like, no. See, that's the thing. I feel like most studios and networks do not care whatsoever about you. I, I, I understand the argument of, you know, maybe you can generate enough fan outcry in the right circumstance, but... Yeah, I feel, I feel like, like I feel like that's pretty rare. This one was probably like they had to have spoken to Apple and said, "Hey, we have this plan." Right. And we're not going to I mean, there's no way you would do this unless you knew there would be a second season. But I don't also, know. But also streamers having or something like Apple where it's like they have fewer shows, they're probably more invested in them. They probably mm-hmm. know ahead of time and are already agreed or whatever before they let them end on a cliffhanger. 
Right. As opposed to a network that's like, you know, they'll wait and see the ratings through the whole season and then decide sometime over the hiatus. Um, I feel like Ben Stiller probably came in with like, hey, this is a three season show or whatever. And yeah. I'm not going to do it unless I get three seasons. Yeah. Because he's Ben Stiller and he can do that. Adam uh, Scott is looking. I don't know what he's looking at. He doesn't look like Adam Scott. No, it's the lighting or something. <laughs> it's just—it's crazy. Where is it? I, like, I for the first couple episodes, I literally was like, "Are they aging him? Is it prosthetics? Like, are they doing some really subtle makeup thing to make him look like that, or is it just the lighting?" I don't know. It's bizarre. Yeah. I'm going to say it's the lighting. It might be. It's more prominent it's, when he's in the office environment than yeah. when he's outside. It's not flattering. No. Well, he also like, has a party down. Yeah. Not, you know, in the stream era, you got plenty of time to do whatever you want. <laughs> How many? This was only, what, seven or eight episodes? Was uh, I believe it's going to end up being eight. Nine, eight? Nine? eight? Was it nine? No, it was nine. Nine, okay. I think it's nine. Say you can do nine episodes and you can still do like another ten episodes of Party Down. But the, it, but it took them nine months to do those nine episodes. To tape them? To shoot them? They, they, I, I remember hearing an interview with uh, Adam Scott and it sound, I think he said nine months. Uh, yeah, they, they, they had a they had a generous amount of time for That's the... insane. There was a... I think there was a piece by uh, Roxana Haddadi talking about the dance sequence and how that took two days. Yeah. Oh, I can see that. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, and again, that's, I mean, not that it's not important and you need to take your time with it, but that's one scene, essentially, that they dedicated two days to. So, they so got... that's like... So that's like a month an episode. Yeah. If if that's accurate, yeah, it's like a month an episode. That's crazy. Must be nice. Must be I mean, nice. Well, <laughs> Saul, Better Call Saul took a year, I think, to film its to shoot its final season. And that's I think it's fifteen episodes. Mm-hmm. But did that include Odenkirk with the heart attack? I mean, it was, it was already scheduled for, like, that long. I think that may have made it even longer. But they right. had scheduled it a year for it. Mm. Wow. Well, it feels like we've just about run out of words <laughs> to say. Uh, and I need to finish this whiskey because I, otherwise it's going to be wasted. Yeah, it goes bad. It's exposed to <laughs> I was thinking about whiskey. <laughs> the older it gets, you know. It goes, it goes bad. Oh, that was a mistake. Uh, <laughs> anyway, that's the show. We'll be back next week. Uh, oh, it's April. Happy April, everybody. Um, Is that a thing to celebrate? I don't know. It's We're no longer doing the the first quarter categorization challenge. DuckTales won. still can't believe DuckTales um, won. We'll be watching that in July. Uh, back with more TV next week. Uh, wow, I really shouldn't have had that last 
I know. I'm looking. At, I have a little bit more to do too. It's going to be painful. Um. Anyway, uh, go watch. Is gone. <laughs> go watch Old Enough on Netflix. That's that's my <laughs> final thing to say. It's tiny children doing tasks. Um. Have a good night. <laughs> good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. <laughs> oh, I really should not have. Oh my that. gosh. Yeah, I'm going to finish. Oh. <laughs> I feel like Tori and I have like the good night everybody thing. Like, uh, you guys ever listen to the Smartless podcast? No. 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 They always end it. Every episode, they find a way to say bye, which is really annoying. But mm-hmm. it's a running joke now. So Tori and I was like, good night everybody. It's like just, the bye. I just love that people are probably listening to this during the middle of the day and it's like we're just getting drunk and saying good night. <laughs> <laughs> like how annoying is that? <laughs>